Hi there, I'm Billy. I'm Drew. And welcome to Pilot Club. So this is um, a new podcast that me and my friend Drew have set up. And basically the premise of the podcast is that we go through and review pilots of TV series and ideally contemporary TV series, like very contemporary TV series, up to the minute TV series, so that you have a bit of a taste of what's coming out in television over the next week, next seven days between podcasts. Um Drew, what, what what do you think were some of the some of the ideas for setting up this podcast in the first place? Well, I think this product, this or this um, this pod, is actually partly a product of its time. So, if we had a, I suppose, a golden age of television that corresponded to those early days of of HBO and Sopranos, um, The West Wing, and so forth, when we might have had then the success of the Silver Age, mm. where we had Breaking Bad and maybe even Game of Thrones, sort of the appointment viewing mass mass audience type show. I think what we're really entering into at the moment is is a Bronze Age. So something nice. where where people really are so fragmented across the media, the mediascape that there's and there's such a proliferation of of both programming and and platforms as well. So it's very difficult to get your head around what's actually coming out and very difficult to get solid reliable recommendations as well something we've noticed isn't it that like i mean the big review sites like metacritic often don't review a lot of shows and also like even platforms like netflix don't often don't announce like major shows as they're coming out absolutely absolutely and australian shows for example get very little airplay until all of a sudden they're discovered and and broadcast and valorized in the new york times so Mm. so there's definitely a scope for for discovery and, and even rediscovery and i think you'll see we'll we'll be revisiting some podcasts as well and see how they hold up some in, classics. in 2020. And conversely, because there's some really good Australian series that just don't get airtime here, even when they're airing something. Like I tried to watch a Kettering incident recently, and even though it was made in Australia and it's a classic Australian series, it's not available anywhere in Australia unless you have Foxtel now. And even then, it's only available, it appears to me, intermittently. So there's a weird gap between you know what people are reading about in the media and what's available on their local streaming platforms too. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I think while we're seeing you know, an abundance of content... There, is, there are also more and more paywalls that really hive off content. So unless you are, for example, and you'll see in today's podcast, unless you have, for example, bought or recently purchased an Apple product, chances are you wouldn't have caught up on Apple TV Plus, which is one of the more, uh, the newer and more obscure uh, uh, streaming platforms that's right, and available. That, and, that, and that's part of what we're... So yeah, so part of our idea is that we're interested in looking at specific streaming platforms, you know, like week by week. So today we're actually going to look at the Apple TV podcast, but sorry, Apple Plus. But before we do, maybe it's worth saying something both Drew and I noticed is that pilots themselves have really changed since the golden age of television or that third golden age of quality television. So you look at the pilots for Sopranos, The Wire, Big Love, Breaking Bad, and they make a real kind of case for the shows. Like they're almost like brilliant self-contained films, but like the pilots for re- like a lot of recent post-quality series, like they expect you to do a lot of the heavy lifting. <laughs> <laughs> like they like they almost like well, how would you just how would you characterize a more recent kind of pilot as a format i think given people or the way people are watching there's almost an assumption that you will if you do start and watch the first five minutes you're you're committed and yep. you'll be you'll be committed to to binge watching the whole thing so there's a certain degree of, of strategic withholding that a yep. lot of shows do to stretch out the runtime so rather than a, a tight 45 minutes that like you said makes a really compelling case for the story and has a really clear arc first act second act third act we have pilots increasingly that that 
Let's don't have acts at all. Give nothing. <laughs> and it's like, it's almost like, I mean, something we were saying is that both of us have felt a bit almost debilitated from watching TV because, you know, in a way, pilots give so little and pilots expect you to watch the whole series that it's almost demotivating to start. So, you, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things you said was like, it's it's something really cathartic about just watching pilots. <laughs> it's like, they've just, that I'm done with the pilot. That's right. I'm good. That's right. I've, 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 I've had a taste. It's not for me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's fair. And that's that's increasingly frowned upon in some in some way yeah. maybe it's an internalized sense of of falling behind the eight ball or yeah. or something about the the modern structure of the tv show where the whole thing's released at, at one in one go yeah yeah there's a sense that you can't really evaluate or you can't really i suppose, speak intelligently unless you've unless you've watched the whole yeah. 20 hours of um, obscure Norwegian procedural, but also like this sense that like yeah, the, a lot of pilots we, we will review and we watch the kind of premise is almost like you've got to do the heavy lifting, like you've you've got to deserve watching us. Yeah, in in some ways as well, and the no, the, enter, the, enter, <laughs> the entertainment value um, falls by the wayside in yeah. some ways, and it's almost like TV watching itself becomes a a chore to attain sort yeah. of some sort of cultural weird cultural accreditation. Exactly. So yeah, so I think there's something there's something liberating about just saying just pilot, just the pilot, just the pilot. That's yeah. that's that's all we that's yeah, all yeah. all we're doing, and that's all we're reviewing. Um, that's not to say we won't we won't proceed and, and watch more of the show if yeah. if the inclination strikes. But if it doesn't, so be it. Yeah. So be it. So, so yeah. So part of the kind of deal we've made that if we really do like the show, um, you know, we're free to kind of return to it in our own time. But for the purpose of the podcast, we just do the pilot. So both of us have you know our own tastes in television. I'm I'm a big fan for mediocre sitcoms I'll watch I'll watch any sitcom so and you know Andrew Drew likes his own thing as well so like we it's by no means ruling out watching the rest of the series but the premise is almost that the default is just to watch the pilot absolutely yeah yeah. absolutely and even some of the shows that we'll review this evening um spoiler we have actually finished watching um because the inclination struck but some we watched the first episode and and never again. Never. Never again. <laughs> never again. And speaking of those shows, should we maybe just say a few things about just some of the... Because what, what we're focusing on this evening is that Apple TV Plus platform. Should we say just a few things about some of the trends we've noticed on that as a, yeah, as a platform? absolutely. I think the Apple TV platform, streaming platform, is is a truly bizarre viewing experience. Yep. It, it has, well, first and foremost, quite a limited catalogue. Mm. All original, all, all Apple originals, mm. as far as I can tell. About 10 series, yep. give or take. A couple of very high high profile series, which you've no doubt seen the ads for. So that would be things like Morning Wars, probably would be one of the most, with Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell, be one of the most absolutely, high profile. Yep. Absolutely. And having sampled, I suppose, a variety of the Apple TV programs, how would you describe the, the Apple TV identity and... Yeah, that's- and MO. What is the Apple TV MO? That's interesting. So just, you know, at the most superficial level, something we noticed was that there was this very 90s taste for, like, single-word titles, like C, <laughs> Dickinson, <laughs> Servant. So it's obviously, like, big statement television. Um, the ones we've seen, they, they all seem to be going for either a high-concept or social commentary kind of approach, which mm. works to varying degrees. Um, yeah, what do, what do you reckon? So I think oh. I think high concept social... It's obviously going for a quality TV model in terms of what it's looking for, a kind of classic quality TV model. Yeah, on the one hand, I think it's going for quality TV. On the other, on the other hand, it does it does feel a little um, algorithmic yeah, yeah, definitely. In, the way, in the way some of the programs have been put together. Yeah, yeah. So there's a certain kind of random sort of um, getting getting all your laundry mixed up to yeah. a certain extent. Yeah. So we've got, we've got Reese Witherspoon with Steve Carell about yeah. morning TV. Yeah, yeah. And we've got Jason Momoa. 
in another dystopian setting. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think we see we see a certain a certain randomness. So there's yeah, definitely, and it's it, it feels like it's trying to kind of address like a lot of different demographics at once, and it, it's it's interesting. Like I'd be curious to know how many people have watched the entirety of all the series or how many people have got the platform for the kind of the tentpole kind of series. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of interesting to know. And I th- one thing that it is doing, which is quite interesting as well and attaching to Apple TVs, is it does allow you to to uh, preview the pilot. So everything yeah. we're reviewing here is freely freely accessible if you have iTunes or but, Apple TV. And also just speaks again to that, you know, how that role that the pilot plays. So like he, one of the reasons we've chosen to start with Apple TV Plus is that it is a platform where... The pilot obviously means a lot in terms of it being freely available before the rest of the platform is available. Absolutely, absolutely. So a lot hinges on these pilots yep. to a greater extent, which is which is truly bizarre, like some of the directorial choices exactly. that, that have been made. Because and what, what we're going to discuss, and this may leads on to our um, films, we're going to discuss a pilot for a series that we thought was absolutely brilliant, um, Servant, the series produced by M. Night Shyamalan, and then a pilot for a series that we thought was pretty... Dyer defending Jacob family <laughs> family is unconditional yeah so so a bit of a, a good bad and the ugly yeah and or maybe just one is good and the other one's bad and ugly <laughs> <laughs> it's like bad and visual anyway yeah so should we start discussing servant okay welcome back everyone so the first program that we've chosen to review is M. Night Shyamalan's Servant so in this case, M. Night Shyamalan has both executive produced and directed the pilot of Servant, which tells the tale of an affluent middle-class couple, Dorothy and Sean, T- Sean Turner, who hire a nanny to take care of their newborn, Jericho. The complication, Billy. Jericho is a realistic doll. Amazing. A bit like that film, The Boy. Really? That's right. Yeah, yeah. But, That's like, right. but also totally different. Like, yeah. not, not derivative in any way. No, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, so... This realistic doll, and I, I had no idea, is actually a thing. It's actually a thing in society. Oh, right. I didn't and know. it's not just, a, not just a horror trope. It's actually known as a reborn doll. So right. this is an art doll created from a manufactured doll. And the process of, recre- of creating this is called reborning. Uh, that's, and that, that word is uncanny in itself, don't you think? That, <laughs> doll, that's, that's the uncanny we'll get reborning. This, the, the people who create them, the doll artists, <laughs> as they're known, are called reborners. Wow. That's, un- that's unhomely. That's it. Yeah. So to me, um, Servant is is a very stylish and genuinely unnerving pilot mm. that elevates horror genre tropes to great psychological effects. Mm. And the direction from M Night Shyamalan, I think, is pretty exemplary. It's, pretty, pretty, it's almost his best thing in a in a decade, almost like that pilot alone. It's, it's yeah, brilliant. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think it's I think it's really interesting. I think mm. it it emphasizes a lot of very oblique angles, long sight lines. Mm. And suddenly suggesting that something's otherwise awry in this in this tasteful Philadelphia brownstone. He loves those Philadelphia backdrops. Absolutely, it's great. It's Philly, Philly, Philly pride. It is Philly centric. Yeah. And um, so I think one real strength of this program is the the casting. So I think the casting is really impeccable here. Brilliant. Um, and I think a real a real standout is Lauren Ambrose and her her in particular her unhinged niceness. So she plays she plays the mother of the child. Of she the plays she plays uh, Dorothy Turner. Mm. So the the mother, or in, in inverted commas, of yeah. the of the um, the reborn doll, 
and I think the pacing of this is really is really notable mm. as well. So the pilot clocks in at, at barely over 30 minutes. So it does what it does incredibly efficiently. And this just indicates that something we've noticed, isn't it, that a lot of kind of pilots in this kind of Bronze Age or, I guess, post-college, they can be quite baggy. So we watched a pilot for another show before this with an hour and a half and just we really appreciate just like the brevity and concision of this one. Like a half-hour show, a really great half-hour show is hard to find, I think. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So mm. it's... It's tight. It has a big, it has a three act structure. Mm. It it has a reveal that is that is is shocking, even mm. though you you know it's coming. Mm. And I can't help but feel that if this were on a bigger platform, a more mainstream platform, such as a Netflix, the buzz for this would be would be intense. I'm I'm surprised that very few people have seen it. This is something that we found kind of confounding, right? Because we watched it. We just started watching it with both teachers in the school holidays late one night, just as a kind of you know, just as a, out of curiosity, really, just, you know, to clock up another Apple TV series. And we became so obsessed that it kind of defined our holidays. Like, we, we were astonished at how how disproportionate the quality of it was from the kind of fairly minimal buzz around it. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and the, the high production values. Um, so it's, it's beautifully shot, right? So something we noticed, too, is like just... It's all set in this single house in Philadelphia. And just the house is such an incredible character in itself. Like, it's every... From, you know... We, we did go on to watch it. This is getting a bit away, but every scene, on, you know, every new episode uncovers a further facet of the house. Even the first episode, you know, progressively reveals different parts of the house you hadn't seen before. And as you said, the house is shot from such unusual angles and in such an unsettling way and suffused with such weird sight lines that it, it almost becomes sentient. In Absolutely, itself. It's yeah. It's really eerie the way the house is shot. Yeah, it has. it's a show that has a, a unity of place yep. which is which is quite remarkable but it never feels stagey no not at all the, no. the camera really roves around this this house and mm. there's the shots from perspectives where you just think no physical person could could be looking at at an image from this angle exactly and one of the weird products that is that remember something we found is that like every every character so the the mother the father and the woman who comes in to nurse the doll, every character is unsettling in some way and it's really hard to identify who the threat is or where the, what, what it, like it's filled with this amorphous threat, this looming threat, and you've got no way of knowing where it's coming from or what its origin is. It's really unsettling. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I think it's really a really effective, eerie, atmospheric yeah. um, TV pilot. Cloaked and, atmosphere, yeah. And um, in terms of, in terms of, I suppose the, the pantheon mm. of horror TV shows, it's a pretty it's a pretty limited subset, mm. isn't it? And it's, it's so hard, isn't it, to make something scary episodically, like you know, over time to come back to something. It's almost like you can't make something. You've got to make it eerie or suspenseful or unsettling just to keep that going over ten episodes. Absolutely, and and I think what's really quite remarkable about the show as well is, despite the fact that it establishes this truly unset unsettling atmosphere. There are bursts of of offbeat humour as yeah. well that that pattern the show yeah. and ensure that all the characters are really endearing mm. and in some cases comical as well. There's a real offbeat comic energy at times. Yeah. I think some of the casting really really achieves mm. that. The the nice, dramatically exaggerated acting style of some of them and, and just this kind of very. There's also between this this couple who live in the house has this very snarky passive aggressive kind of married energy which like which really works well against the horror so you have these really unsettling eerie scenes but just this low level passive aggressive just like you know 
absolutely you like, you like frustration yeah. and we should also mention in terms of the comedy um, Big Grint energy Rupert Grint is from Harry Potter is in the series absolutely absolutely and, and plays plays a very very interesting uh, dissolute character yeah. I think almost almost there's a his I suppose his real life post Harry Potter decline is yeah. almost a sort of theme of his performance yeah, exactly. in some ways so there's a real there's a real confluence of of actor and and role and, and to contextualize his role he plays the brother of the woman so you have the couple with the baby doll you have the woman who comes to be a kind of nurse to the baby and then Rupert Grin plays the the, the doll's uncle and you know, I mean we're kind of saying like for me at least I think it's probably the best post Harry Potter performance by any of those three characters I think it's better than anything I've seen Daniel Radcliffe in I think it's better than anything I've seen um, Emma Watson in and yeah, I think it's yeah. on its own terms. You, you think uh, Rupert Grint has won the the post Harry Potter? Rupert won the post Harry Star Stakes. Yeah, and, and just all, just on this on this alone on this performance, and he has such a great. I mean, obviously we're a bit biased because we've seen the, the whole series now. This is when we we watch in its entirety, but he has such a kind of great just comic comic kind of register, but also a real incongruity that just makes the whole series seem even more kind of unsettling and even more odd. Absolutely. Yeah. So so as a result, we, we dubbed Rupert Grint's performance uh, Big Grint Energy, yeah, Big Grint BGE. Energy. So every time he was on, on screen, he, he really, he really, he brought the heat. Yeah, and he's kind of the only character who seems sane. So like there's, when he comes into it, the strangeness just accelerates around him, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah no, he's, he's a real, a real point of comic energy and, yeah. and comic charisma. I think the other really notable thing that we really have to talk about is the cooking. Oh, this is, yeah, this is such a big part of the series, isn't it? <laughs> so to provide a bit of context, uh, Sean Turner, so the father of the, of the, um, the, the reborn, the reborn, the reborn doll, Jericho doll. and the reborn doll itself does um, attain its own. I suppose degree of personality as yep. as we we go along. Mm. Um, Sean Turner is reputedly a uh, a Michelin star chef, mm. so there are there are long, um, drawn out, uh, luxuriously framed shots mm. of his cooking. Mm. And how did how did that sit with you? Well, yeah. So I mean, I, I love the cooking scene. So you know, anybody who's watched cooking programs will know that um, cooking programs, especially high-end cooking programs like you know, Bon, App- bon Appetit Channel, they really emphasise texture and they really emphasise sound. So there's lots of cooking scenes in this show where the texture and the sound of the ingredients is really front and centre. And that gives a similar kind of textural intensity to the rest of the series. The second thing I liked is that the food he cooks is um is very eerie and visceral in itself. So there's things like eels being skinned, you know, sous vide cooking, and it all builds to some really visceral stuff later in the series. But the cooking, it, it also just very suspenseful. Like, you know, there's lots of shots of cutting, of meat being prepared. So it adds this texture to the show. And also it creates this weird kind of domestic artificiality. So you have this passive-aggressive couple kind of squabbling and bickering, but then you'll cut to him preparing her this really seamless, beautiful dinner, and then they'll squabble more over it. So Absolutely, it, it, it really yeah. works on every level, I think, the cooking. No, the, the cooking is is fantastic. Yeah. And, yeah, genuinely genuinely unnerving to yeah. a certain extent. And, and really kind of beautiful to watch. Like, you know, if Emma Chimelin is such a good suspenseful director, and that, that was just such, such an inspired move to include that. And, and even... Again, it's getting a little bit away, but every episode is more or less structured around a different dish, mm. isn't it? Which which kind of reflects the, dishes, the themes the, of the episodes. The episodes are named after dishes. Oh, yeah, exactly. Mm. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the cooking is a, is a character in and of itself and yeah. really foreshadows, I guess, what 
uh, a lot of the the horror, a yeah. lot of the horror in the show. It's not it's not overt. It's latent yeah. Yeah. in there as well, and, yeah. and the cooking really sort of foreshadows the the, yeah. the violence and the. I'm thinking it's like if you imagined if you imagined like a just a Bon Appetit cooking segment, but you felt that some horrific crime had taken place nearby. Yeah, I that's suppose kind of the that's kind of what the cooking. Yeah, evokes. Yeah, I, the the closest analog, I suppose, would be would be the the TV show Hannibal. Not yeah. sure whether you ever had yep. Yep. saw that. So that had a couple of like very famous high profile culinary consultants, and yep, and again spent that that lavish amount of attention and detail absolutely to the cooking. Yeah, and and the Hannibal connection is a nice one because it always feels like the series. I mean, I know I'm talking a bit beyond the pilot, but even in the pilot as well, it definitely uses the cooking. It draws comparisons between meat and human flesh kind yes, of quite regularly. Yeah. So the kind of cooking draws the the skin and the you know the bodies of the characters the viscera, around it into yeah, the viscera into into yes. really kind you, of you'd say he's a he's a nose to tail cook. Would yeah, you, yeah. Would you not? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, definitely. And in terms of like Hannibal, that's a good connection because you know just to kind of circle back around to something we were saying, like for us. I think I've only ever seen one other television series that I thought was genuinely scary, and that was the first season of um, the series um, uh, called Candle Cove. um, Channel Zero each season is based on a different creepypasta. But, I mean, we've both tried to watch American Horror Story, and, you know, we, we really like certain parts of it in certain seasons, but I'm not sure I'd call it scary in the same way that this is or eerie in the same way that this is. Yeah, I think... Murder House is probably the closest it comes. Yeah, I think this has a lot of the... The, the best features of the the golden age of M Night Shyamalan, yeah, absolutely, which was the, the Sixth Sense, yeah, yeah, Signs, I think, is in that golden signs, age. Signs, yeah, well, yeah. except for the yeah, the the, the back fifty percent of exactly. almost every one of his movies, but exactly, but yeah, but absolutely, I mean, I think that's a good way of looking at it. I think it, it does deserve to be seen. Just the pilot in and of itself, he doesn't direct every episode, but even you know, the series as a whole, but also the pilot itself deserves to be seen as one of the best things in his entire catalogue. I think it's certainly his late work. Yes, absolutely. And I think one thing we were concerned about, um, no spoilers here, but um, M. Night Shyamalan does have a bit of reputation for a third act uh, bed shitting. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, does he, he shit off- the bed? In, in this, No. So like something we found was like the ending is, the ending is pretty good. Like, I mean... It's not a perfect ending, but it does really do justice to the, the tension. And to the series' credit, over about 10 episodes, with only the occasional blip, the strangeness and the eeriness keeps on accelerating. So it's got a very like emergent, I guess, atmosphere, which, which never quite goes away. So it's, it's quite... Yeah. I, mean, I, I think to I th- me... I, I think an M. Night Shyamalan movie like The, the Village or, yes. or Signs, the, the, the third movie. act was so bad that it, it, it undercut everything that you it experienced yeah. before... It, I, it, I quite like the village third act, I have to say, but I agree, <laughs> I, I agree about science. I could definitely agree yeah, about science. It, it yeah. eroded that atmosphere. Yeah, Whereas yeah. this, you know, albeit imperfect, it does it does retain the yeah, and, the, and, the unnerving um, atmosphere and, and environment it, of this show. And as you said, it, it never does anything to rupture that. So it doesn't... But certainly, you know, we're talking about like five hours down the track. Like there's episodes and episodes and episodes where this intensity keeps on... This this weird space between suspense and comedy keeps on kind of ratcheting up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in some ways, it is almost uh, more of a domestic drama at times than it is a than it is a horror show. And I think those maybe that's those are the best types of yeah um, genre. There's some really shows. really painful dinner parties, like really <laughs> absolutely lots of really painful scenes with people sitting around eating food, eating weird food, 
with something that's kind of unsaid you can't quite identify. Yeah, it's almost like the show really like hones in on that moment where you realise what you're eating is yeah. is not quite right or something yeah, yeah. that's not quite to your taste yeah. or that, that horrifying moment when you, you realise you're eating something that, that you really shouldn't have or yeah, had you exactly. known before, you, you probably would have exactly. would have uh, turned it down. Yeah, that's it. So maybe to kind of wrap it up, what, what, what do, you, oh, do you have anything more that you wanted to, any other thoughts on it? No, I, okay. I think this. I think this is a fantastic show. Yep. I think it's it is an incredibly compelling watch. I I hazard to say, should you watch the pilot, I, I I'm strongly convinced that you will continue watching. And I had the experience where I, I recommended it to somebody I know, and he had exactly the same experience. So just he, he, I recommended it to him one afternoon that email that evening. He'd emailed me saying I'm hooked. It, it's 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 hard to imagine that if you like horror or if you like suspense, maybe horror's not even the right word. Like if you like suspense, if you like a psychological thriller, if you like eeriness, yeah, it's hard to imagine anybody not loving it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so normally we'd say, will you keep watching? Yep. Uh, but for this one, that that question is absolutely really already answered itself. And so. not only do we keep watching, but you know, my partner Carl watched the pilot after this and loved it, and the three of us just spent the whole holidays basically returning to it every couple of days and savouring it. I mean, just it defined the whole holidays, didn't it? So, absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was yeah, no, yeah. The pattern, the holidays, and um, yeah, the, those thirty minute. Watching thirty minute yes. increments were was so, and that's a good that's a good thing to bring it. Like I think the best way to watch it is to watch a couple of episodes a night. I think it's you want to savor it, not binge it. Like it's so, I mean, it's tempting to binge it, and it's probably hard to leave more than a night between episodes. But if you can do two a night, I think that's mm. the perfect way to do it. Actually, I think just like Sean Turner's cooking, it's yep. a it's a pilot and a series really to to savor. To savor. That's a nice way to think of it. Yeah, cool, awesome. Okay, now moving to another show on the Apple TV Plus platform, and I guess kind of in a way moving from the sublime <laughs> to, the, to ridiculous. the ridiculous, we have um, Defending Jacob. And you know, as you know, Andrew, like I love, I love a really good like catchphrase, and the catchphrase for Defending Jacob is family is unconditional. <laughs> so basically to talk, um, talk through the, the pilot, um, it deals with a family, uh, an American family, just a regular American suburban family, and played by so Chris yeah, Evans. Yep. Yeah, so we have we have um, the the parents are played by uh, Andy Barber and Laurie Barber, and they're played by Chris Evans and Michelle Dockery. And I'm going to say they have negative charisma. They have <laughs> negative juju as a couple. Um, yeah. And and their son um, Jacob Barber is played by uh, Jaden Martell. Um, from, Famous for from the Knives It series. Out and yep, the It series as well. So basically, it's about this this suburban family. And it's about what happens when um, a kid at uh, Jacob's High School is murdered. And to be honest, not a lot happens in the pilot, but it it suggests that Jacob um, may have killed this other boy, which is complicated because um, Andy's father, played by Chris Evans, is a district attorney or something like that. Um, he's a lawyer of some description. He's a lawyer of some description. <laughs> a very... I think that's indicated by the beard. Yep, exactly. So we'll get on to the beard. The beard just drove me crazy. In this... <laughs> the beard does a lot of heavy lifting in this series. Um, but just there's an opening scene between um, the Chris Evans character and another district attorney or something, <laughs> played by um, Pablo Schreider from The Wire and Orange is a New Black, and there's this... they're in this very combative opening legal scene, um, which indicates that he's a lawyer. So basically, regular American suburban family, um, murder committed at son's school, father thinks son might have done it, 
Um, but father is is loyal to son. Father is loyal to son. Father <laughs> and family is unconditional. <laughs> Absolutely, family is so unconditional. And um, the, the end. Even of, if your son is a really creepy looking dude. Yeah, and and I think the end of the episode is that the um and this is this is I mean th- it would be a spoiler if it if it was good. Um, but at the end of the episode, the father finds a, a knife in the son's bedroom and um deduces that he did it. So <laughs> well, or or or, or, or not? He didn't or not. do it. Maybe and maybe and maybe we'll never know. I've, I've so we, we should say from the outset, we only watched one episode of this and both of us had a very bad feeling this was going to be the maybe they'll never know kind of series. Type show. Th- this, yes. was, this was the... Well, Andrew, what do you think? Tell me, tell me what you think about it. I think this is, this is a real, uh, real classic Apple TV Plus show. Yep. We have a big name cast. Yep. And I think, you know, one of the, the Apple TV Plus MOs, I think, is to get Hollywood, you know, A-listers. That's a good point. B, I suppose, what would you call Chris Evans? An A-lister, a B-lister? Yeah. Probably, I mean, and, and probably a, a C-lister outside of Marvel. <laughs> outside of Marvel, a C-lister. But that's a good point because we were talking about Apple TV Plus features early and we didn't mention that. You're right, that there is this Hollywood, Hollywood Yes, there's a Hollywood, yep. there's a Hollywood yeah, sort def- of... Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're bringing the, the prestige mm. back to TV. And and I think what we see is we see some some Hollywood A-listers punching above their weight, yep. um, reverting back to TV. But then this weird this weird combination. So you've got Chris Evans, I suppose, famous for for being for his handsomeness yep. and uh, his charisma. Yeah, I mean, I, he, he, he just like kind the, of. Like, yeah, I mean, he's like he's like an actor who is has the most vanilla kind of looks and the most like negative charisma. So I just I. Uh, he, he has his, his he has his lane. He's he's good within his lane. Yeah, I he's mean, good at play, playing a pretty uncomplicated heroic character. I think you'd have to say he's, yeah, he's and, fairly successful as Captain. And America. you've got to wonder where this is the kind of like a vanity project for him, like when like an actor takes a Broadway role or something, or proves that like you know they can they can do street kind of yes, desire yes, along with the Hollywood blockbuster. Yeah, like it's, it's definitely it's Chris the Evans. Robin Williams. I grow a beard, therefore yeah. I'm in a drama type yeah. school. Although I think that's acting. that's very generous to Chris Evans to even. Oh yes, Robin. yes. <laughs> so actually, can, can we? Can but, we but the bearded the bearded uh, Robin Williams was a was a, a signifier of him. Yeah, yeah. In a dramatic role, and I think I think Chris Evans is is at least adopting the beard, yep. um, if not the good acting. So can I say, if I hated the series, I friggin' hated the beard. Like this, <laughs> this beard was such blockage for me. Like the beard does without the beard, the beard does everything. And extending that, can we just talk about how awful Chris Evans and Michelle Dockery are in this film? Yes, and I think that's that's the really I suppose that's the other the other the the Apple <laughs> the Apple TV Plus mo yep. I suppose is is bring together two ingredients that might otherwise work. Uh, like candy and and fish, yeah, they're like, perfectly delicious in in of their, themselves. Although you might you might dispute that about Chris Evans, but you know Chris Evans has his lane, Michelle Dockery has her lane, but together we have candied fish, which does not work. And just to clarify, Michelle Dockery too, um, she's Lady Mary from Downton Abbey. So if you can't imagine like Lady Mary. And, and Captain, Captain America, America shacking up like in, in the with American the, the suburbs, boy from it with the boy from it and having just I mean they're just these long interminable serious conversations where like Michelle Dockery's trying <laughs> she's trying she, hard she is, she is trying her hard but out. her accent is it a Boston it's set in I, I think it might be her, her accent There's her some... Boston accent <laughs> is just I remember a while back we were talking about that film I think it's Extreme Measures with Hugh Grant and Gene Hackman and you were saying that's the worst juju ever yeah this, this is comparable the, some right? actors that just do not belong in the same Place. The same universe. The same universe. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. And and Michelle, funny because remember we had that conversation beforehand where I said, "Oh, at least Michelle Dockery is good in Downton Abbey," and you said, "Is she?" <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, maybe she's not. Like, maybe she's not a good actor. She's 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 fine. She's, she's fine. fine. She's fine. Yeah. She she has a she has a, a time and a place. Yeah. And that time and place is 
is an English country manor in the 1920s. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It's certainly not a contemporary Boston. Because they're, they're just... I mean, it's so hard. It's it's so surreal to kind of describe these scenes. There's these scenes when she and Chris Evans are just lying in bed or in in the kitchen and just... They're just there's just a laboured seriousness that doesn't... I mean, maybe another way of getting back to that seriousness is this is something I think is really typical of this kind of post-quality era where you have shows that think that seriousness is the most important thing and, you know, seriousness as opposed to profundity. So you can have a series like American Crime Story, um, Better Things, Transparent, shows that are, are deeply profound but also have a sense of humour and a kind of lust for life, whereas there's this other brand of post-quality television where just lugubrious, sombre, almost like a suspicion of televisual pleasure itself is is the main thing and this series is like that right like there's there, it, it, it is suspicious of all pleasure it's suspicious and of any pleasure yeah. any televisual pleasure and and there is nothing in it but seriousness <laughs> that, like it is such a suffocating <laughs> overwhelming sententious seriousness that to me is epitomized by chris evans beard <laughs> I, I cannot deal with that beard <laughs> well it's not really it's not really a shaggy sort of um no. unrestrained beard yeah. is it no. it's a manicured beard. it's a very manicured yeah exactly uh, dramatic beard yeah yeah it, it, it's meant to convey this incredible masculine like hubris but yes. it's like dude, I, you I think like... symptomatic of this show is the yep. scene of chris evans you know supposedly disheveled tossing and turning in his bed when really it's it's a torso shot it's yeah. really a glorified torso <laughs> Absolutely. shot. i want a backstory for the beard <laughs> like but something we should maybe mention just too that you know um it's the series has a very distinct palette right like it's all yes, shot a in color new, palette yeah, yes gloomy. new england yeah. Late autumn, I think. Yeah, I but really gloomy. I mean, the same dark blue colour palette as Ozark. It's actually pretty derivative of Ozark, but it doesn't work here like I think it does in Ozark just because, well, the show's bad. Yeah. But also it doesn't... I, the fit... way I suppose I, I, would, I might describe it is a sort of sub-sub David Fincher yeah, abso- aesthetic. Absolutely. A very grey, blank... Absolutely. Uh, Dusky, yes. murky. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. And it just, it, it, it just kills the mood even more, doesn't it? Like it's, it does, it's just, it's just yeah. like It's like just like watching serious people do serious things. And it, it's almost like the series is suspicious of suspense. It's suspicious of narrative. It's suspicious of character. Anything that could just give you that visceral televisual thrill, yeah. it's, it, it can't commit itself to. Yeah, so I think this is also a pilot that, that suffers for the lack of, the lack of ad breaks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Ab- but to make artificial ad breaks watching it, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think I think at least in the in the um, I suppose the the nineties or the the early two thousands when when procedurals like this were patterned by ad breaks mm. it forced a certain formal rigor yeah, on absolutely. the program maybe it was conventional but it at least required like mini bursts of suspense absolutely to to pattern your show and to maintain your engagement and in terms of that rigor engagement this is like the epitome of the kind of pilot we were talking about before that gives absolutely nothing so it's using like a, you know I re- recently rewatched the sopranos and the first sopranos pilot is is really tight like it's it's funny, it's suspenseful, it's engaging. Like, it does a lot to make a case for the show, whereas this this gives you nothing. Like, the case doesn't advance, there's no character development, there's not a very yeah. evocative sense of place. Well, I think the case for this show is really the sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, exactly. The, the idea, I've, I've yes. already devoted 45 minutes of my time to this, and it's revealed nothing, yep. therefore I need to keep going. And Absolutely. That's, that's really what it's got going for it. It's, it's that... Um, I suppose uh, obsessive kind of withholding. The withholding Absol- is really absolutely what, what keeps you exactly keeps you going exactly. And as you've said, like just that feeling that if I just watch forty five minutes more, I'll get another kind of I'll get another cru- I'll get a crust of- <laughs> a crust of information, which is like a bad it's a bad face gesture from a television series. Right? I think like, it is, and it's incompetent it is, yeah. in terms of suspense as well. Yes, yeah. 
it's just those scenes between I just can't deal with I can't deal with those scenes between Chris Evans and Michelle Dockery and her accent <laughs> she's, she's trying <laughs> she is trying she's trying she's trying very badly and the Boston yeah. accent is a tough is a tough yeah, yeah. it's a real toughie to do without lapsing into caricature well, as you know I'm not a big fan of the whole mass hole like Massachusetts Boston <laughs> like formal procedure anyway I got yeah. like, City on a Hill Ben Affleck I got through two minutes of that and I just, just couldn't, couldn't do it <laughs> well I think we this is a, a spot too I suppose I look at the silver lining of the show yeah. and I think one thing that you were saying, Billy, is um, is some of the shots that, you know, really, really floated your boat. Um, the shots that really always float your boat. Yep. And it does it does really traffic in those shots. And what are those shots? The drone shots. The drone shots, So yeah. as, as, as Andrew knows, I'm, I've, like, the, the, these kind of drone shots... You're a man of be- simple pleasures, yes. really. <laughs> so these drone shots on Netflix that have become so big in recent years, that kind of almost Netflix house style, the kind of long drone shot over a suburb or town, that's like catnip to me. Yeah. Like a show can be terrible, but I get a good drone shot, especially a drone shot of suburbia yeah. or a drone shot of like an American town. And like, that, that's amazing. So, <laughs> And you, you would be fair to say that drone shots are a bit of a crutch yeah, of this oh, show. A- absolutely. And in fact, even just saying that makes you realise how much a show is derivative of that Netflix aesthetic. So it's mm. like it takes... Yeah, that, that style on Netflix I really respect because it has become such a key part of the Netflix kind of house style. But here it just feels like it's transplanted. Although now I'm thinking that I did quite like the drone shots in this series as well. <laughs> you might be revisiting the drone shots or yeah. making a compilation of the drone shots. The, 20 best drone shots I can see a BuzzFeed yeah. article. <laughs> the crime happens in a kind of, you know, in a, in a kind of quite evocative wooded area near where the family live. And, you know, now I'm talking about it. Maybe I do want to go back and rewatch it. <laughs> and you a, might just find yourself yeah. uh, one day wanting to revisit some of those, those that grey pallor and those drone shots. There, there is that fascination when something is so bad, you're like, you're incredulous, you want to go back and watch it, but it's also the drone shots. <laughs> and I think you might have even tried to revisit the, the next episode in a I, kind of, it's so bad, it's good way. I'll and be honest, I did put the, the, the... Actually, and I remember when we were talking about it, you, you said something really interesting, that, and which I thought which I really paid, was that this series... It's best watched in a state of almost, well, not semi-distraction. Catatonia. Total, total distraction, catatonia. <laughs> and you said it would work on a plane, maybe. Yes, it, it could. It, like it air, could. airplane viewing. <laughs> it could. It also could not. It might not. It might be terrible there as well. Actually, now I'm I think about, while they're serving your meal. Yeah, maybe. exactly. Yeah, exactly. That kind of sweet spot where you've got the meal. You can't leave your seat. Yeah. And you don't want to focus on a really good film. Yeah. So this is like what you yeah, watch. You really need to use the bathroom. But yep, you're, exactly. you're locked in there and it's the only thing playing. So like yeah, maybe a lot. I I think we might have might have even said not necessarily planes. Too much choice. Maybe a long bus ride. A long bus. <laughs> a long bus ride would be a long bus where, ride. Would be where it's the only one played. Yeah. Like yeah. Absolutely. Those, you know, the Sydney to Cairns type jaunts. Yeah, exactly. You know, where they they've got the one the one show they broadcast. In that context, it could maybe be on repeat. In that context, it could be incredible. It could. It could it be could. amazing. Like you got nothing out the window, but well, highway even could be better than the show. But yeah. it's night; you can't see anything. <laughs> Defending Jacob could the, be just the, what the you window need. would would be would give it a real run for its money. I think. Yeah, the, exactly. The, the window would the be. Window, yeah. The window that might that might actually win out. Yeah, the window would be a strong competitor. <laughs> but yeah, in that context, maybe it would be amazing. Anyway, so what, what what do you think? Do you would you continue watching it? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I I'll be honest. I, I tried in it in a. It's so bad. It's good. Yeah. Um, way but I think that lasted about 10 minutes and then I realised it's it's not so bad it's good it's, it's just bad it's just bad and it's, it's that seriousness that kills it right it is, a, yeah. a, a, sometimes it's kind of so bad it's good category of show it's a show that you know it's doing something absurd or doing something flamboyant that doesn't work but you kind of you kind of enjoy it like there's something original about the gesture whereas this one it, it feels like a series written by like autopilot right or by committee like it, yeah. it's so 
it's so bland and conservative yeah. in every possible way, apart from the drone shots. Apart, of course. Apart from the drone shots. I, I've heard it described as, as a soap opera, but to be honest, I think a soap opera has a lot more moments of enjoyment yeah. than this. And it, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't indulge in the kind of extravagances and flights of fancy that a soap opera does either. No, it's, no. It's, it's post-quality television. It's television that's <laughs> desperate to rec- recapitulate that quality moment, and the only way it can do so is through almost disavowing television itself yes. as a form of pleasure. This, is, this wants to be like a, an epic seven hour movie or something like that which and even you know it tries to do more than television and does less yeah basically. so I, I i think in some this is this is a hard out yep a hard out for me yep i think the same for me as well but I, that said i do kind of recommend watching just the pilot just to just because it's so symptomatic of what a lot of television looks like now or billy's uh, youtube compilation of uh of upcoming of the uh, top 20 drone shots of uh defending jacob exactly so cool Family's, un- family's unconditional. <laughs> so that, that 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 concludes um I guess that concludes Pilot Club for next week and yeah. this week and we'll come back with a couple more shows next week and maybe uh, we'll do a archive or an older pilot as well. Until then. Sounds good. I'm Billy. I'm Drew. This was Pilot Club. <laughs>